This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Ram fans, this is Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. We are proud members of the Fans First Sports Network. That's fansfirstsports.com. You can also follow us on YouTube. Our channel is at L.A. Rams Up. I'm your host, Mark. You'll hear from my co-host, Tom, on occasion as well. Hey, we're not Rams insiders. We're just longtime fans who love talking about our Los Angeles Rams. Let's get to it. Hey everybody, Mark from Rams Up here, episode 299, and we have a special treat for you here today. Let's call it our Thanksgiving week special, a roundtable with Paul Walia and Ian Martinez. Before we get started on that, do have some news to share. Daryl Henderson has been waived by the Rams, kind of saw this coming when we heard that Kyron Williams was set to return against the Cardinals. On to this roundtable. Hey, Paul, how you doing? How's the weather out there in Long Island? (laughs) Definitely not SoCal-esque out here. It's getting a little cold. We just dipped under 40 degrees. Um, But uh, good to see the Rams get a W. That helps warm things up a little bit. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing good. I mean... Anytime you get a victory Monday, that's a good feeling, ain't it? I mean, about dang time, but I guess that's just the circle of life in the NFC West, huh? Rams could beat the Seahawks no matter what. We can't beat the 49ers no matter what, and everyone beats up on the Cardinals. That's just the the way things go in the NFC West. So it's, it's it was a good, typical 2023 Rams uh, game. Just up and down, up and down, and we'll get into it. <laughs> yeah, hey, fun fact that I shared on my uh, uh, my recent pod. If I'm not mistaken, Bobby Wagner has been on the losing side in seven straight. I think it's seven straight of these matchups, the poor guy. He's probably my, fa- <laughs> He's probably my favorite Seahawk of all time. Uh, I wish we could have gotten a couple wins for him when he was here. Hey, so let's start yeah. with you, Ian. Um what are the things you saw uh, out of our offense that you liked? And you're probably going to limit it to a couple of drives at best, right? But what did you see that you were at the game, right? I was not at this last one. I was not. I uh, I had plans. But I will be there for Cleveland. I will be there for when Washington comes to town. But um, it would have been fun. And I, from what I've been told, it was a great crowd turnout which I'm very happy to hear as I've been known to be on the the pessimistic side of fan turnout at SoFi Stadium. So it was good by all accounts from everybody I know out there, which is good to hear. And what a shock. We won the game when home field advantage is ours. But um, what do I like on offense? Oh, man. And this is a this is a complicated subject. I liked when Cooper Cup was not on the field. We just got to keep it real. When Cooper Cup is on the field, the offense is so predicated on him being the first read of every single passing play, him doing choice routes 90% of the time, having three routes as an option in those option routes. It just stalls our offense. So when he was not out there, we saw the playbook open up. More boots, more diverse runs, keeping the defense on edge. So I like those final two scoring drives where it was open. Anything was possible on the offensive side of the football. And I wanted to highlight one awesome play on one of the last drives where it was a heavy play action outside left boot. Stafford, hard hard action, rolled out to his left. First read not there, second read right there. Oh, there's Puka Nakua on a deep drag route and threw a laser beam over Bobby Wagner 30 yards down the field. 
perfect time, perfect offensive uh, performance on the O-line, and just an absolute great catch by Nakua. A great hard running by Royce Freeman and Darrell on those final drives. And I think a big thing, too, is that the O-line had been regressing over the past you know, handful of weeks, right, gentlemen? It's been getting worse. But that final couple drives where we punched it in for some points, they said, no more. And played well. And what a shock. We got into you know the end zone and we got uh, some points on the game-winning field goal. So it's multi-layered, but O-line finally did well enough on those final couple drives. And then when Cup wasn't in there, the playbook and Sean McVay probably wasn't so stressed and he could breathe, if you want to you know say that. Uh, those are my quick thoughts. We can get to it deeper about that. But that's what I was happy to see is that the playbook finally got a little diverse and we were able to pull some points off. What about you, Paul? What did you see that you liked from on the offensive side of the ball for our Rams? Um, what I liked. So, um, once again, uh, every week, right? Love uh, the Rolls-Royce. Rolls-Royce got rolling a little bit. I really wish they would have given him the rock a little bit more. We saw our boy uh, Hendo. He vultured a TD late in the game, right? But, uh, yeah, I mean, the running game got going a little bit. It took a lot of pressure off of Stafford once the running game got going. That was So that was a definite positive. Uh, I agree. The fourth quarter for the Rams was obviously their best quarter. The latter half of the fourth quarter, I should say. Yeah. was definitely their best uh, ten, uh, 10 minutes of the game for the Rams. No question about it. Uh, the other part is just, listen, Stafford's a gunslinger. Ram Nation, I mean, they know that. I don't have to keep saying it. Guy's just a gunslinger. He, he came up big down the stretch. Um, I won't jump into the play in the red zone because I don't think that was a function of Stafford. I think it was a function, just a horrendous play calling <laughs> down in the red zone. But, um, yeah, so I, I really liked that. I thought the O-line played a little bit better. Uh, I like Puka. Puka came up big down the stretch as well. A lot of big catches. Um, you know, and I'll segue right away, um, Ian, and, and definitely hop in on this, uh, if you don't mind, Mark. Some of the negatives on offense, you know, this these peaks and valleys on offense. Listen, the, the defense really kept us in this game. Otherwise, it would have got ugly quick. Yeah, defense they saved us. Out. Yeah. I mean, the Rams just couldn't muster any consistency once again. You know, it, you know it's like a theme. It's, it's not the defense. The defense has outplayed – all expectations this year, without question. The offense really looks, and I can't point to any one particular factor, but it just really looks like they're not ready to play early in games. Those quick starts. I know opening drives, they have a, a nice, good stat, but after that, they just they do not look sharp. They do not look crisp. Um, there's no rhythm. Um they're predictable. And the Rams really have to look at their film. Um, and I've noticed this for three weeks now, Ian, and you know, when you do your all 22 uh, analysis, yeah. is that they're doing something that the other team is able to pick up on, whatever it is. Maybe it's the um, that backside motion that McVay loves, but they're able to literally predict. They can see it. There's some tell – that they that tells the other team when the Rams are going to run the ball when it's a running play, because a couple of times you saw the Seattle linemen, they just they did not even react to a ball fake, they just went straight at um, the ball carrier. So there's something yeah. that they're doing, um, whatever it may be. Somebody's either maybe. Um, leaning or whatever it could, it could be something very subtle, but it's giving it, it's very consistent over the last three weeks. Um, but yeah, the offense is just well, Paul. Really, well, Paul, really to that relaxed. point. Yeah, but to that point, Paul and, and Mark, we've talked about it over the over the weeks. There's just there hasn't been diversity. They line up in the same formation, and it's going to be one of five plays, right? In each of these formations, it's a similar issue that the Seahawks have been going through, and I've kind of scour the Seahawks uh, Twitter, Reddit universe, and people have the same complaints about our former quarterback coach, who's now Seahawks offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, 
that they're he saying the same that. things. They're saying the same exact things. The things we're complaining about, about diversity, simplicity, and how frustrating it is. Seahawks fans feel that way about Shane. And I think some of the national media people have commented about the simplicity and basic quality of the Seahawks offense. People give Sean the doubt so they don't pick on him as much. But it was a an offensive performance of which, which offensive squad, Seahawks or Rams, was going to be the most clutch, right? And luckily, our, we had the better quarterback, so we were able to pull it off. But to that point of diversity and lack thereof, like I stated earlier, when Cup is out, think about even previous weeks when he was on IR. Things just flowed a lot better other than the Bengal game. I know that was a disaster in its own you know, kind of bubble, but it just functions better, guys. And I think McVeigh, we've and I've been vocal about that. I think he's lost his play calling cachet, his moxie of being, you know, surprising and nuanced. It's very basic, and we've covered that a ton over these losses and weeks. But when he's out, I feel like he can breathe. He can say, Hey, I can call whatever. I don't have everything doesn't have to be centered around the triple crown winner, the Super Bowl MVP. Because let's face it, guys. When you have that great of a wide receiver, it's hard to get off him. It's hard as a play caller to be like, why shouldn't he be the primary read every single passing play? As a quarterback, Stafford, why am I not going to look at him? Because he's going to get open. He always makes the right decisions in these choice routes. Now, that sim- you know, symbiotic relationship of them being you know, on par with each other, making the right reads together, that's a, that's a different right. issue, but... It hasn't worked. We, I stated in previous weeks, the choice route stuff hasn't worked because not on the same page or teams have figured out how to bracket coverage that better. So when he was out in those drives, we punched it in. Stafford could serve the field normally. McVeigh can uh, call plays normally. And I think that's a big issue. And for everyone out there, Cup is an amazing player. This has nothing to do with Cup's talent or his lack thereof in certain aspects, which isn't, which isn't much. But it's it's an issue. Cup being in the lineup makes McVeigh and Stafford and the whole offense compressed into a certain group of plays. When he's not in the lineup, everything is available. And uh, it's an issue. And <laughs> I don't know if we win that game if Cup's playing the whole, you know, the whole rest of that game. This would be real with the play calling and things we had not seen in quite some time. You know, and where it's really reflected too, Mark, in uh, in is this. Look at the third down conversion percentage. It's taken a real nosedive for the Rams. Take a look at that one statistic. It's taken a real nosedive for the Rams. Mm-hmm. And that really, to me, is the hallmark of an effective offense. That third down percentage tells you how effective they are, right, at getting yards when they need it, right, being able to keep that defense. The other thing, uh, and, and I know Mark loves to throw out these uh, surprise stats. Mark, what about the surprise stat? Week, what we, week 11, right? Week 11, Rams tight end, zero TDs. Talk about lack of diversity, it. right? How is that possible? How is that That possible? was uh, one of the things I was going to talk about as far as, you know, if, if there's something that a trend on this offense that's troubling, yeah, that tight ends – are, are not a part of this offense at all. And when you think about it, think back to McVeigh's time with uh, Washington, you know, that's that's where he rose to fame, really, oh, is, is developing those those tight ends and integrating them into the offense. Hey, I wanted to make one comment as far as good trends. Uh, I, the Rams seem to do a really good job at protecting Stafford, but weren't they moving the pocket more in this game than in, re- in recent games? And I, if that's what I saw, and I think that really helped. No, oh, yeah, yeah, getting Stafford outside, you know, listen, I, I think people forget. Remember when Stafford got drafted, right, coming out of Georgia, right? He was he was uber-athletic, still uber-athletic quarterback, right? And every obviously he's older, but you still see every now and then you see him show off the, you know, the mobility um, and that and that Ian cited that pass that he threw an absolute laser on the move, right? Great pass. I mean, so, and, and real quick, Paul and gentlemen, people don't realize how – how hard that is i yeah i see you fans out there that are turning on stafford i see i see you out there watch throws like that do you want a rookie quarterback i can be able to do that day one i don't think so well you saw there drew locks be- passes i mean late in the game drew <laughs> yeah. lock his <laughs> it, it they were pretty uh pretty pitiful compared to the darts stafford was throwing 
And, and guys, Stafford led another game-winning drive. It's not by mistake. I want to say that was, what, his 40-something game-winning drive, which is like fifth, fifth, fourth all-time in NFL history. It's something outrageous. So, Dude, it, it's, he's, that's why we call him Optimus Prime, right? Yeah, Optimus dude. Nine, baby. Optimus then, Nine. I guess, he's you know, and, I, and he joked after the press conference because some of the reporters asked, like, Hey, you start everything started to you started to play a little bit better after you got you know you got whacked on that crazy uh, quarterback hit on the flea flicker and I, I was yeah. I was like oh no he's hurt but if anyone who's ever got the wind knocked out of him it'll keep you down for a while and that's what it was for him luckily but he joked like yeah I guess I need to get hit every now and then to start playing better don't I <laughs> but he knows but, how I feel because I said it the the game prior and actually two weeks in a row. This is now the third week in a row where Stafford gets rocked on a clearly, clearly obvious attempt to get back at, you know, at the Rams for what happened to Gino. Yeah. And the entire offensive line is standing there, Mark, and Ian, just watching. And this guy is like doubled over on the turf. Like, what is going on in the Rams locker room? That this O line does not understand that when Optimus Nine gets rocked like that, it is your job. I don't care who you are, to stop taking down some numbers and start ripping off some helmets. And you know what's funny about that too, though, Paul, it just that that play overall as a whole is that that type of hit gets college players ejected all the time. You know when they consider hey, what is targeting and they're doing the whole review in college football and launching yourself crown of the oh. helmet hit right <laughs> i've seen players in college get sus- uh, suspended and miss time and get ejected for way less you know egregious hit than that so it's funny how the nfl just doesn't abide by those rules and obviously efficient he's an issue and we had some bad calls we benefited from some bad calls <laughs> you know we could talk about that later but yeah, I the agree. O-line, I mean, the O-line's just, the O-line's just a little too nice, aren't they? They're just a little too nice. You got to do a better job of standing up for Optimus 9, man. You got to be kidding me, dude. This is three weeks in a row. Holy yeah. cow. Obviously, to your original question, it was good to see the pocket get moving. And yeah. like I said, the O-line just said, all right, no more. We're going to play a lot better. And they did. They willed our offense to you know game-winning drives. So, so it, it was good to see. I don't know if you guys were aware of this. Uh, someone shared it on Twitter. That uh, flea flicker, by the way, was a play, exact same play the USC Trojans ran against Washington and um, <laughs> from a few weeks ago. And and I think um, now Cliff Kling- Kingsbury is there, right? Him and McVay are buddies. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I don't so. know if copying that offense is a good idea this season. <laughs> yes. What the going on. That's, right. that's all and perhaps somebody should have informed, uh, informed Tutu they were going to run that play because Tutu looked like he had no clue what he was supposed to do. Uh, and only yeah. got Stafford knocked and, out for the season. I know. And real quick, isn't that crazy we're throwing that to, to Austin Trammell? And I want to shout him out. For him having to fill in, there was no step back in the offense. Obviously, having like I said, having Cup out there is awesome because he's just so talented. But Austin, man, he went out there. He was a primary target on multiple plays, made majority of his catches when he was targeted, did well on the screen where he got like 15, 20. He had a lot of those good, you know, boots where he just, you know, he was the motion man coming out into the flat, you know, two, three yards and catching for seven, eight. Uh, not bad for an emergency punt returner at the beginning of the season, and now he was contributing. He was a big factor in why we were able to get some good yardage late in those games. So crazy, a flea flicker to Austin Trammell. Like, who would have thought that at the beginning of the season? Yeah, and and to your point, your earlier point, um, I don't think Puka had a target until Cooper Cup left the game. And then Trammel yeah. started getting involved, so yeah, maybe you're onto something there as far as uh, cup kind of the cup factor. I, like I, I agree with you. <laughs> I, I want him on our team and I want him in our offense, but maybe it is cramping McVeigh's style a little bit. You know. Well, um, you know what happened the 2021 season. It was cup at this ratio, and it, no one had an answer for it. 2022, it was the same way, but he got hurt. So we say, oh, let's just keep doing things that defenses can't figure out. But they have figured it out. It's, it's been figured out. 
It, it, those... And there are also a lot of similarities in the way Puka and Coop. I mean, they're not identical, obviously, but there are some similarities in their game. So that's the other part of it, right? Yeah. It sort of becomes a replication. You know, they both love to run those choice. They're both bigger players, right? They're both physical off the line, right? And you see that in a lot of the routes they run. So that's, I think, the other quandary is like, there's a little bit of uh, re- replication or redundancy in terms of what they do. So, uh, but still, there's no excuse. You have two great wide receivers. You have to find a way to get them the ball, get them the lion's share, you know, uh, of the offense. Um, so, you know, that's something that, that's a, a good problem to have. Uh, they have to do a better job. The Rams have to do a better job of, uh, you know, uh, exploiting the defense because when you have two great players like that, you got to get them the ball. Yeah, the one difference between Puka and Cup that I've noticed, uh, my my son and I have talked about this, where Cooper Cup is is so measured and and restrained. And I, you remember he got excited that one play against the Forty oh, yes. ers Now Puka, on the other hand, he plays with a fire in his belly, man. Every time, every time he gets tackled, I swear. Uh, it, it seems like he's. He, I would probably guess that he might be one of the last guys on this team I'd want to fight. He, he look. He is one tough dude. You can tell. It's so funny you said that because I turned to my buddy the other day we were watching the game. I said, "If Junior Seau was a wide receiver, that's Puka." Yeah, loved it. That's the way. I got that Paul. That Polynesian power in them, man. That's what it yeah. is. <laughs> Um, so we probably talked enough about the offense, the good and the bad. We kind of blended that all together. You want to move on to the defense? Or is there anything else you want to share about the offense before we move on? No, I just think at the end of the day, we just got to protect Matthew Stafford. We give him time. We give him a pocket to operate out of. He's going to carve up defenses, and that's just the reality. So everyone that's bailing on him, Oh, and I get the injury thing, but the injury thing is about protection. Let's yeah. protect the oldest active starting quarterback for, for damn sake. And if we do, he, he'll shred any defense and he's clutch. So let's, let's keep this, let's keep this good O-line play going. And Hey, it was a 14% chance going into this uh, week of making the playoffs. We won. So now we'll just jump to 17. Let's keep stacking some wins, and those odds will continue to grow. But it all starts with O-line play, giving Stafford time. So as far as the defense, I'll get this started. You know, I was I was uh, texting you guys earlier today trying to figure out when I saw the snap counts, you know, no cornerback got on the field besides Kendrick and Witherspoon. And I went back and looked, and, you know, Quentin Lake was playing uh, a lot of slot corner, really, um, so they're doing some different things in the secondary, and you got to hand it to them. They, they really did a pretty good job. Quentin Lake covering uh, Tyler Lockett at times. I mean, the, you know, they had that the Seahawks' first opening, their opening drive was, you know, 14 plays, whatever it was, and it was pretty disheartening. But after that, uh, got to hand it to our defense. Yeah. I, I, another performance where I was going to be so upset again of like, the defense did it exactly enough again to win this game, and I thought, oh, the offense is going to be putrid, and we're just going to blow this opportunity again. Guys, yeah. it's just, if you if you guys think about it, if you were to rewind time to beginning of the season and say the defense is going to be the reason why we're in a majority of the games when they sacrificed the defensive side of the football in the offseason, right? Bye-bye, J- Jalen. Bye-bye, Bobby. Goodbye, Leonard Floyd you know, gains, Sean, and for them to really not miss a beat after all those departures, and there's been some bad moments, but for them to be severely less talented and for them to not be that much worse is crazy. And for the offense to be this much worse and them having to be carried is remarkable. And to your point about Quentin Lake and some of the secondary changes, Quentin Lake's been doing a hell of a job in the star role. Because Kobe Durant hadn't played his best there. He's more of an outside corner just based off his tape. Let's just be real. I think he could do the star, but I think maybe it's a a little too much on his plate in that position. There's a lot of responsibility in that inside slot area at the star position. So, yes, he did not play, which 
allowed Darion Kendrick to have his best game as a pro and Quinn Lake to have his best game as a pro. Akilo, I mean, hey, man, asking him, him to guard number one receivers all game, you're going to get beat sometimes. I know people were shredding. I'm like, oh, DK. I'm like, dude, DK can hawk down any player in the league. He's got elite speed. That's a tough task. So I'm not too mad about Akello. He's been playing good football for us. But I think, what did uh, Quinn Link have? He had like eight, nine tackles today. He was all exactly. over the place. Exactly. He was all over exactly. the place, man. I think he had a couple pressures on some blitzes. He got there pretty quick. And I was like, oh, he's looking pretty fast now. We benched Russ East in favor of old school captain John Johnson. John and, Johnson I thought, and I was like, he was out there. And I was like, well, that's cool to see you, JJ. And then I saw him more and more. And then he just never got off the big. field. Yep. And never got off the field. Big. So, and I stated in previous weeks, Russ had, you know, Yeast has had good moments, but there's been some blunders in coverage. And we've talked about it in the past. So, I, I got to give Raheem Morris credit when things are not going well in the secondary or on defense, he's not afraid to shuffle the starting group he, since he's been here in 2021 and beyond. Think about how many different combinations of secondary players we've seen throughout the last two and a half years. It's been a lot of them, which I credit to him. He's not afraid to make those changes. And obviously players don't want to get benched and it's going to continue probably to keep flip-flopping, but Darion Kendrick playing his best ball, which is crazy. We all thought he was done, right? I mean, it was over. A lot of bad football, the arrests, the gun stuff. And eight targets, only three receptions allowed for 21 yards. And an INT that was clutch. I mean, dude, way to go, Darion Kendrick. We've ripped him a ton on this pod, but he played a damn good football game for his standards. And it was he was a big reason why we won this game. Shout out to Drew Locke for throwing a bad ball. <laughs> and thank you, Darion, for getting that. Because it feels like there's been a lot of those passes we haven't snagged. Think about all the previous games. And I'm happy that he got his first career interception off one of the biggest plays in this game. So, yeah. I mean, and the coverage, guys, wasn't too complex based on what I was able to see. It's a lot of cover six, cover three, cover two. You know, some fire blitzes, fire zone blitzes. But we just kept everything in front of us for the most part. And... Hey, we just played a worse version of a Sean McVay offense and we were able to get stuff going. So I'm happy for the secondary for them all playing well in their new spots. To expand upon that, the Rams PPGs really put the defense in a tough spot virtually every game, right? The, the Rams PPGs just horrendous. Yeah. Uh, once again, under 20 points. Um, but shout out to Coach Raheem. You know, for those out there that don't think he is a legit head coaching prospect, look at the job he has done, game in and game out. And you know what I really loved about this, guys, this game in particular? When the game was sort of, the momentum was sort of leaking away from the Rams, he dialed it up. He said, we need to change the momentum of this game, and the blitzes started coming. Look, nobody's asking him to blitz every down, but he knew, like, it was time. He started sending bodies. Um, shout out to Ernest Jones, who played a gr- looked a little bit closer to his old self. You can still yes. see that he's nursing in it a little bit. But um, double-digit tackles, fantastic. Uh, Kobe Turner quietly played a the hustle. The number of times I saw 91 chase a play down from the backside or chase a play downfield, that's exactly what you want from a D lineman. That shows you this guy's got heart. Jonah Williams, quietly a tackle for a loss, tackle for a sack, four tackles. Jonah Williams quietly getting it done. So you saw on defense, and we talked about our boy Lake, you know, showing the flexibility, showing the ability to line up in the slot, showing the willingness to mix it up, you know, showing that talent level. That's exactly what we're seeing. But all around, Defensive players starting to – and listen, Monster Zero got a shout-out in the game for holding the edge much better than he has in previous games. So you're starting to see that progression uh, across all the defensive positions. Uh, uh, DK had a good game, uh, except for that uh, celebration uh, penalty. You know, he give it and then take it very quickly. Got the INT and this guy. Yeah, I, of course. He's got it. So he's like, It couldn't have been any other, other way, right, gentlemen? Absolutely. So he's still in <laughs> knucklehead mode. So he's still trying to shake those cobwebs out. But, uh, yeah, big INT really swung the momentum in that game. 
But, you know, very easily overlooked the Rams defense in terms of what they've done, not just this week, but the last couple of weeks. Um, and shout out to Morris and the coaching staff for having the team ready to play and not cracking under the pressure. So, so really nice. And let's keep it real. And yeah, I'm saying let's keep it real. Aaron Donald's, you know, unblocked mega hit on Gino while he was throwing, that probably saved us a little bit too in this game or a lot of bit, right? I mean, hey, what do you want to not block Aaron Donald and give him a free shot? I mean, I, I think there was that clip in week one that was going around where. Aaron Donald had a similar situation and you heard Gino go like, Oh God, and throw it away. Like, you know, in a mic'd up moment, <laughs> it was one of those again, but he couldn't get out of it in time. And I feel for Gino. That sucks. I was like, Ooh, elbow injury. Not good, man. And Aaron Donald, like the Brock yeah. Purdy, Aaron Donald definitely yeah, Brock that. Purdy injury. Yeah. So having drew lock, having to, you know, having the quarterback two, three series, that definitely saved us quite a ton. I feel because, Gino is a he's he's a solid quarterback. He has really good moments, and obviously there's moments where he regresses to Jets. Gino, but he's he's revived his career, and it was good to you know bottle him up in after the first touchdown drive that we let up. And yeah, shout out to Aaron Donald, man. I mean, play within the rules, and if you get to the quarterback and smack him, so be it. It was legal. I saw some people be like, "Look at Aaron Donald, dirty player." I'm like. What are you guys it talking about? It could have been about? a lot worse. He ended yeah, I'm like, come yeah. on. Watch it closely. Oh, Sean Mathis was in on that play as well, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah. Yep, he was right there. Yeah, yeah. Yes. and Keir Thomas got some snaps. So the Rams are rotating some new guys in. Uh, I have a good feeling about O'Shawn Mathis. I know he's. We don't have enough. we don't have enough data on him yet, but I got a sneaky feeling he's going to be a good player. Yeah, he's been getting more snaps. He's been getting more snaps rotating with Michael Hoyt. So I mean, obviously, look, we're in the we're in the let's see what we got season, right? We've talked about it a ton. Let's see the young guys. That's the youth renaissance that we're in this twenty twenty three season. So let's do it. Let's just keep seeing the young guys and see who's going to be a part of the future. And I think uh, O'Shawn has a chance. He does. So let's see. Um, we've talked offense. We've talked defense. The good and the bad. Um, any any overall trends? You, you probably touched on a few of them already, but you want to revisit anything or any trends? Good trends, bad trends that we need to talk about. Um, I'll, I'll jump right into trends. Yeah, I'll jump right into trends. So number one, the the number one trend is offensively. Whatever is going on, they really got to turn the ship around. It's like it's really, really. I know. And so this is, you know, this is the part that I think is interesting. So when I watch the Rams play on offense and then it just, you know, when we talked about this earlier in the, in the, in the cast, right. Early in the season, right. Ian and Mark, we were like, you know, it's hard for me to say like, all right, let's write off the season. You know, it's going to be one of those seasons, but you know, it's hard to play ball that way where you're like, you know, let's not, go all out and, you know, sell out and try to win, you know? So I think it has a little bit to do with it too. Like the mindset on offense, you can see is just, it's not like killer instinct wise, right? It's sort of like, you know, all right, you know, and then when they get down to clutch time, then they step it up. You know what I mean? It's sort of like they're on cruise control for a little bit and then they sort of try to amp it up. So that might have a little bit to do with it as well. But you see it. So look at the Rams, right? Zero points, then seven points, zero points, then ten points. Those are the peaks and valleys that I've been talking about all season, right? And that's, you know, it's you're not going to have uh, a pretty high PPG with those types of peak and, peaks and valleys. It's like two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. You know, uh, the other thing I, I just – not a big thing to uh, focus on, but just something to keep an eye on. So Demarcus Robinson was out there, right? And, and Trammell guy, I think, what was it, seven targets, right? Um, yeah, he got, he got a lot of playing time, yeah. like you said. But um, honestly, with the seven targets, he was still under what? I think he, for the season, he's only seven yards a catch. So, you know, good player, there's no question about it. Definitely doesn't have the physicality, definitely doesn't have the explosiveness to make an impact on the field. And you saw that, you know, seven targets really didn't amount to much. You know, you might see DeMarcus Robinson get some more targets now. You know, DeMarcus Robinson has done it before. He's had seasons, I think, two seasons of 40, 40 catches, right? So, um, 
you might see him getting some more uh, reps out there if uh, Cup is hurt, right? So that might be something that they do because they definitely need to get some more explosiveness out there um, in big plays. So, I mean, that's one thing I definitely would see. There are very few big bang plays from the Rams offense. And that's, that's terrible to say because the offense, you know, that's like sort of their bread and butter, right? They, you know, it's like take, you know, go down the field methodically and then boom, put it in the end zone. The other thing that's a really bad trend is once again, these red zone scenarios, you know, they just can't happen like that. You, you cannot put yourself in a situation like that where you can't punch it in. That's, you know, that that's what cost the Rams the game early almost was when they could not punch that in. And first of all, those three running plays, I mean, it was good. They, I, I love the fact that McVay was like, all right, we're going to run the ball in. But those three running plays that were called, it's like, I, I don't even know. It's like, do you know who's in the backfield when you're calling? Yeah, I know. It- yeah, it's look at I'm not, I'm a fan of the diversity and it's cool to see a little power toss to the outside, but Kyron can do that. Royce and Daryl need to be attacking gaps, got no gap scheme style, straightforward within the tackle box, right? Did you see the way Kyron's not the fastest yeah. either? But did you see the way Rolls Royce was hitting that B gap? Seattle had no oh, it was great, answer. man. Seattle had no answer for that. Every time they went there, and, and shout out to Alaric Jackson when they got that clutch first down, and Alaric Jackson mm-hmm. gave him the love gave him show. The shove at the end. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's good. I mean, look at we've talked about it with Royce. He was a third round pick. Yeah. He obviously had a ton of production and talent at Oregon. Oregon runs a shotgun offense, but they were a gap scheme run mm-hmm. offense at the at their core. So it's not like we stated in the previous weeks. It wouldn't be a shock when, before he started getting more carries throughout these weeks that we thought, hey, he could probably do some damage. And he's ran hard. He's ran like, hey, this is my last chance. Like, if I don't do stuff on the field, I'll never get an opportunity to play serious football again. And he's running like it, right? Absolutely. Running hard, physical, attacking the line of scrimmage with conviction of where he's going to smash, <laughs> smash the rock into, right? And... Yeah, no reason to run a power toss with him or Daryl. So let's let's just get those guys running north and south instead of northeast, northwest, <laughs> right? Let's get them straight ahead. And and to that play where it was fourth down and people were like, oh, P.I., P.I., which I, I maybe. But Tutu's got to catch that. Hit him in the oh, arms. I mean, that, was, that, was, that was a great pass. I mean, it was there. Great pass by Stafford. Got to catch that. Yeah. And. Obviously, if he catches that, we're feeling we're feeling a little bit different, right, about the play calling overall. But I think, I think, I just think as long as we give Stafford time, he's going to find people, and it really just comes down to that, guys. O line play, if O line playing is better. We'll start smashing these uh, in for touchdowns soon. But what a shock! The trenches are where things are won and lost in these situations. Absolutely, and the case in point was look when Kyron Williams was in there. How many? How the red zone offense was very different, much more efficient. The number of rushing touchdowns and how you know easily he was able to get into uh, find pay dirt, right? I, I think they need to really take a look yeah. at that because they really rendered uh, Rolls Royce ineffective within that five yard line with those three plays. They were just t- terrible calls. Really didn't play to his strengths. Um, and you know the other thing is that you know some of these these play calls so like for example I, I i do like the slant to puka even though it didn't cut, turn out the way we like but you have to have two or three plays that your go-to plays that you run inside the 10 to your wide receivers right but you know what's sort of shocking and i'd love to hear your input on these guys is like the lack of post-up plays you know the Rams have some real size out there right and the the lack of these you know jump ball plays and everything uh, back of the end zone type looks to the wide receivers. I just think it's, I was sort of surprised that I don't, I can't even recall the last time I've seen one of those calls by the Rams offense. So it really negates the Ram size at tight end, Ram size at wide receiver. I'm sort of surprised by that because the Rams had a couple of ISO opportunities. And wasn't that supposed to be Davis Allen's forte? Uh, you know, just being a guy that can go up and, and grab the ball. Uh, elevate yeah. and get the, and he's not even, he hasn't, he's getting some snaps, but I mean, does he even have a target on the year? Maybe one Bryson Hopkins yeah. irrelevant. 
Hunter Long. I thought this might be the week we see him. Uh, and instead, it's, it's Tyler Higby, and he has uh, he had one big catch. He did have the one 17-yard catch. But other than that, he's just right. uh, an extra offensive lineman at this point, it seems. But even with Puka, yeah, and to your Puka, point about the the you could do that with Puka too. Yeah, and to to the with the jump ball scenarios, I think yes, though that should be more heavily called. I mean, we've seen great execution with you know BJ. We've seen obviously uh, Tyler in 2019 get a lot yeah, of those. Sure. Allen Robinson when he that was his forte, right, going up and snagging the football. Uh, I think what it is, it's obviously execution by McVeigh, you know, looking at the play sheet and calling that. But I think a lot of that is being dictated by the lack of man-to-man coverage that we're seeing in the red zone. Teams are teams are playing that match zone on us, which is half man, half zone in, in a respect. For anyone out there real quick, what, what that is, is basically it's zone. So you can still have your cover two, cover three, cover one, six. We can go down the list, right? But basically, you have to play stickier than your normal zone. You have to attack whoever ends up in your zone. You have to attack to them immediately like it's man. And teams are starting to do that against offenses a ton. We do that a ton. That's like our main style of playing coverage. So I think that gives less opportunity for those jump ball one-on-one scenarios because teams are not manning up on us in the red zone. Because think about it. One-on-one with Cup, he's going to get you. And he does most times. Puka, we've seen one-on-one, and we've hit those jump balls or those one-on-one you know, deep bombs, and we've made it. So I think teams realize, all right, if we set ourselves up for that, there's a high chance we don't defend that well against you know, the Rams receivers. So I think it's half McVay having the guts to call it, half of what defenses are calling themselves to not allow that to be called. That makes sense. But I agree. We still got to take shots, and Stafford's a good 50-50 guy. Passer, yeah, so. and look what the yeah, look what the Eagles do with the back shoulder. I mean, it's like I would say if I, I'm, I'm going to yeah, venture out, it's about one fifth of the time, right? Jalen's throwing that back shoulder on purpose, right? He knows that. And for Ram Nation, one of the reasons why the max zone is coming up so frequently is that because you know when you run all these crossing routes and all these drag routes, that's that's the way you have to play them, right? Because the whole idea is to get these. Uh, D backs running into each other and you know chasing from behind. No, so yeah, that's the you know that's the other reason we do run a lot of those drags and a lot of those crossing routes. So you know and so I, so I think it's important you know when you run those that you have to take those shots to the back right to, to the back of the end zone and use that space like the way you know Odell was like a master of that when he was here with the Rams right they used to run that play to perfection oh, yeah. so. I mean, that's, you know, so on offense, there there are some really, really troubling trends that you, you just see that, you know, it's just cycling down and it's got to, they got to really, and hopefully Iron Kyron being back and maybe getting that one, two, two punch now with uh, Rolls Royce might get this thing back into the swing of things, get this old line nasty again. Um yeah, I think it'll. I think it'll improve that he's back in the lineup. There'll be a commitment to the run, and remember, Kyron's last mega game was the Arizona Cardinal game, and yeah. his fate of the universe brings him back to the second time around, right? To return and smash the football in the desert. So I, I think it'll change dramatically in our favor with that. When yeah, let's talk back. about the other. Let's talk about that Arizona. One, one last trend. One last trend, Mark. Go ahead. Uh, real quick, real quick, Ram Nation. Look at T.O.P. Look at T.O.P. We lost the T.O.P. battle once again. That tells you about the score. That's all I got to say. We lost the T.O.P. battle again. Um, So, hey, let's talk about this Arizona game. You know, Kyler Murray, we've had a lot of success against him, but he does present a a big challenge, a different challenge. Uh, What do you think our defense is going to have to focus on? Any predictions? Are we going to see anything different uh, from our defense in dealing with Kyler Murray? Uh, How do you guys see this breaking out Ian I'll let you go first yeah I mean look at we when we beat Arizona in, in the last home game previously I I was very vocal about how lucky we were that Josh Jobs had a bad game we lucked out big time Marquise Brown should have had two mega bomb touchdowns the pick that Roseboom got 
was a total misread by Dobbs where he should have thrown the slant to Rondell Moore and he would have walked in the end zone. Josh Dobbs also missed other passes in that game, and we were lucky. We were lucky. Kyler Murray won't miss those. He will 100% make those Yeah, and James, James Conner missed that game as well. Yeah. And he's given us fits. And think about it. Josh Dobbs ran, scrambled for a decent amount of yards on us as well that game. And Kyler Murray is a hard person to tackle. This last game against the Houston Texans, there was a play on third and goal late in the game where I was like, oh, Will Anderson, one of the defenders, is going to get him. And he total turned the corner, threw on the Jets, and scrambled in the end. And I was like, whew. No matter what people want to say about Kyler and his his Call of Duty off the field stuff or his lack of leadership or whatever, dude's a, dude's a special talent. He's he's got mega talent. Let's just keep let's yeah. keep it real. You don't get chosen one of you know first overall without some serious talent. Now there's been obviously old picks in the past where we can debate that, but he was not one of those picks. So if we don't do a better job of containing these mobile quarterbacks, which we haven't done a good job at all this entire season. Dak, Dobbs, the first Arizona game, uh, Richardson with the Colts, Jalen with the Eagles, uh, whoever else I'm blanking on right now. We haven't done a good job, and Kyler is probably the fastest out of all of them. So if we don't get a better containment job on him, we're going to be in trouble because you'll scramble and get mega chunks on the ground if things aren't in the passing game. So. I think that's number one. Can we contain him in the pocket and say, hey, Kyler, you're just going to have to beat us with your arm. He has the capability to do that, but if he does that, then I can live with it. I'll be like, all right, Kyler, you just got us today. You threw all over the yard, and so be it. But if we let him run around, extend plays, run, you know, rush for first downs, that'll that'll make me upset. So I think that's number one. Contain him in the pocket and make him beat you with his arm. And we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, and uh, since we're on that topic of running quarterbacks, just a nice segue, quick shout-out. DTR with the game-winning drive in Cleveland, right? We were talking about DTR when we did the uh, the Rams pod, right, uh, for the draft, that we were hoping DTR would have been our mm-hmm. backup. But uh, it's a shout-out to all the UCLA fans out there. The kid looked good, man. The kid's a star, man. I am so I was so happy to see that. I still wish he was wearing yeah, uh, the blue – the, the blue and soul, but um, having said that, they should have been. Yeah, I listen. What do you go fifth round, right? I think it was one forty something, right? How great would he have been on this roster? But yeah, you know, but the you know one thing the Rams have not fared well against these uh, running quarterbacks for a lot of different reasons. But I think you know, like the way they handled Geno, they kept him in the pocket. You know, listen, look. Kyler Murray, you know, keeping him in the pocket, making him throw over the lineman, those type of things. You know, Kyler, everybody knows that. He, he's a different quarterback when you make him do that. Now, the idea, though, is can you keep him in the pocket? That's the other thing. you got to be disciplined on the outside. I think the Rams do that. The Rams have enough firepower on defense that, you know, they're going to make a lot of good things happen. Um, the D-line has played really, really solid across the front. Listen, Connor is a tough back. That dude is a tough back. Right, so yeah, he's he's a, he's a good player. Yeah, he's a tough back. If you sleep on him, you know he'll hurt you. But I think the Rams have what it takes to handle the Arizona offense. I think that game is going to be decided on the other side of the ball. You know, listen, another close game. The Rams not able to pull away. You know, listen, I'll be the first to say it. I always say it. You got to establish home field advantage. The fact they won at home, that's that's great, right? And the Rams have to do more of that and win more games at home. But this game against Arizona is going to be decided by the Rams' offense. You know, you can't you can't keep putting your defense out in those situations. And listen, I know everybody was saying was you know was it an aggressive call? McVay was a hundred percent wrong throwing that pass and not taking that under a minute and then turning it over to his defense. I know everybody was saying, oh, he was being uber aggressive. That could have caught. They got very very lucky that Myers shanked that kick. Because that should never have happened. You got to take it under a minute. You you got to you got to help your defense out there. Um, but that's a that's a you know different scenario altogether. You can't keep putting your defense in those compromising situations. You got to play better and more efficiently in offense. The Rams got to churn it out, control the tempo, control the top, take their shots, protect Stafford. Stafford's a gunslinger. 
if you give him time and you give him opportunity, he's going to make things happen. It's going to be six on the board. Um, uh, the only other thing is, uh, I don't know what you guys think. So are we starting to see now Tutu, he's got his first look at, you know, starting time. Are we starting to see him sort of dial it down now? Are we, you know, we, we saw a lackluster game. You know, that's the other thing. I think this game is going to be important for Tutu Atwell to show that he can still get it done. You know, um, you know, this is his first real playing time. So that's something because it was important. We saw when there was no real uh, WR3 threat out there really makes it a lot easier to defend the Rams, doesn't it? So uh, the resurgence of the running game with Iron Kyron, um, hopefully we see Tutu Atwell turn it back up again. I think that's going to be a big difference for the Rams. Yeah, I think getting Kyron back is going to be the difference. Yeah. It's going to be so big getting, uh, you know, a, a running back that can create a little, can be creative at the line of scrimmage, a little bit of wiggle, power, speed. You know, he has, he's he's the most versatile back we have by far. And, you know, we know, we saw what he can do in the red zone as well, where we've struggled. So uh, I like the Rams' chances in this yeah, game. Yeah, and, and Mark, I mean, you you think after that ass kicking in the trenches where we ran the ball down their throat that they're not going to do everything they can possible to stop the run? Yeah. So what does that mean? That means heavy, heavy play action. Especially I think Cooper we Cup can score. Yeah. Yes, and I think that's where Tutu Owl can eat. Puka and all these guys. I think that's what it is. Hard, heavy play action. Deep, great ball handling by Matthew Stafford. We're talking like keep that arm extended on the fake hand of as long as you can, which he's very good at. And then boom, you know, on the boots, whatever it is, you know, a, a stretch, drop back, play action, whatever type of play, uh, play action pass. I think that's going to be the key on offense. Can we run it well enough? Can we make Arizona freak out enough about the run? And we've already kind of done that based on our last, you know, matchup with them. I mean, can Stafford and the O-line execute and hit those play-action passes? I think that's going to be the major, major key to this game is can we hit those shots in the play-action passing game, which is it's, it's doable. And we got to get 2-2 in space. We haven't done a good job with, with getting him in space, uh, whatever it takes. Get him, you know, running full speed uh, in space, and that, that's where he can do a lot of damage. We, we can throw him some deep balls on occasion. But I don't think we're doing. I don't think we've done a good job of just getting him uh, in space with a ball in his hands. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, I don't think it's just. I don't think it's just with Tutu too. I, I think that. Yeah, we haven't done I think a good the, job. Uh, one thing that's missing from the Rams' offense is that when you are in space, making that first guy miss and taking it to the house, that mindset's not there. It's almost like they're content to take the catch and then they sort of like just sort of cradle it in and just settle down and wait for the tackle, right? I think you, um, to Mark's point, I think you need to have more guys that are willing to like make that first guy miss, put that effort in, and take it to the house. Like sort of, you know, I think that's sort of missing. And I think the defense is also, you know, when the defense sits back like that, that's what they want. They want you to catch it in front of them. So you, you know, that extra dimension of being able to take it all the way. I think you're absolutely right. That's something that we have not seen a lot of, which is why you need to put a little bit more firepower out there. You know, I like that they did go, you know, for four wide receiver look. I did like that a little bit. I did I did think that shook up the offense a little bit, sort of got the cobwebs uh, cleared out. Um, so I think that is a nice dimension for the Rams. Um, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully Cooper plays, and even if he's not healthy, I don't think it's a bad thing to rest him. If you need to, I think they still have enough firepower to get it done. Um, but I definitely think you know, now is the time. I think you're going to see DeMarcus Robinson play a little bit more. I definitely think they need to get the tight ends involved a little bit more. And I think they need to throw to the backs a little bit more. So that's where I think Kyron's going to be a very, very welcome addition. And and Kyron's uh, blitz pickup, do we need to talk about that? You don't think Matthew Stafford's like, welcome back, kid. You know, with Iron Card and that blitz pickup, absolutely. Yeah, and I and I gotta be honest though, I think yeah. I thought Daryl and and Royce have done a good job though. I really have. I really thought they've done a, a nice, really nice job with all that. So, 
luck, look, guys, we've really lucked out about the amount of running backs that we've had to bail back on, and it's worked out. Let's just let's let's think about that for a second. Daryl was chilling at home, I think, in some flag football league with some yeah. of the reports, like some adult league that he was doing for for fun, and he was still working out and, and keeping himself in shape. But you know, Royce being a a third round bust, you know, having that label, Ronnie Rivers being hurt, it's like we've we've lucked out. And that's obviously a credit to the free agent scouting department, right, of the front office, identifying players on the market and trying to get them uh, in the building if possible. So we've lucked out, man. They ran hard. They pass protected well. <laughs> and thank God. Yeah, they apparently they just don't trust Zach Evans enough at this point is what I'm thinking, either in pass protection, ball security. But uh, ho- hopefully we see some more of him. And our punter averaged yeah. 53 yards a kick. Did you see that? Dropped one inside the 20. So, lose your consistency again. Flipping the field. Evans flipping is good, the man. Field. He's a good little rookie Keep player, Keep doing man. your thing, brother. That's a, That was a great graphic. And maybe we found our kicker. I need to see a little bit more, but I'm hopeful. Oh, oh good. yeah. That was, that, was, yeah. that was clutch. That was a clutch nine-yard kick. You're right. That was, that was very clutch. <laughs> 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 I know it's hey we'll take the wins when we can get them when it comes to yeah, our field goal kickers. I mean, McVeigh was like, "Listen, anything over twenty yards, we're going for it. Yeah. We're going for it. Leave the, leave the special teams on the sideline." Yeah, I mean, hey man, it's just the season was. We lose this game, the the I think the playoff percentages dropped to like one percent. So it was they're aware. You know, I, coaches Absolutely. say they're not aware. Someone's aware. Someone's aware. Someone is, and I'm sure he's been told. And it, so that's that's part of the good fight, right? Why players are like, why don't we tank? Or fans are like, why can't we do this or that or that? Or why aren't we trying to get a better draft position? You can't mail it in as a coach. Their jobs are on the line. Players' future jobs are on the line. Current jobs are on the line. So as long as there's a chance, there's a will and a way, and we pulled out that will and way on Sunday. And again, 14% to 17 now. Let's keep rallying some rins and let's get that that chance up. I know? was talking about that today, and I just don't see professional athletes like Byron Young and Kobe Turner and Aaron Donald and Steve Avila uh, having that mindset of, yeah, you know, let, let's let's play for a draft pick here. You know, just just doesn't make any sense. And even the coaches, you know, it's just not it's just not in their nature. You know, it's just. The only the only thing that you might do in that regard is late in the year, maybe you sit down to Matthew Stafford or Cooper Cup or Rob Havenstein if they're banged up a little bit, but you're still hitting the field with the intent of getting a W Look, every time. Guys. You know, I, I, listen, Rams Nation knows, yeah. and, we, and we know deep down in our hearts that when the season's over, we're going to be like, all right, how many draft picks to move up to get uh, Caleb to get Bo, right, and have him sit and carry the clipboard for a little bit and learn until Stafford decides to call it a day. Come on. That would be exciting see Caleb sitting there. Yeah. Even Drake yeah. May, someone like that. There's some really good quarterbacks. I get it with the quarterbacks, but, look, look, God, it's, it's that's any fan base, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm – yeah. Let's use our first round picks, everybody. Everybody, listen. Can we let's just calm down, everyone? Calm down a little bit. Let's take a breath. Let's say, say with, say with, say with me, everybody. Ready? Yeah, ready. Three, two, one. Matthew Stafford is still a top ten quarterback. Take a deep breath. Absolutely. Out. Take a breath. Take a deep breath in, everybody. Say with me. Matthew Stafford is still a top ten quarterback. Okay, optimist, you know, <laughs> optimist nine, baby, optimist nine. Go, going off on a tangent here, I, I think right now, if you were to ask me uh, what the Rams should do with the first pick in the draft, is if one of those someone like uh, Alt, the left tackle, Notre Dame is there, someone like that, I would jump all over that. It, it all depends on where they're drafting, but. Yeah, I mean, O-line was number one because, look at Alaric has taken a major step back. This last game, he wasn't so bad. I'll have to look at the All-22 and really study him. But based off what I saw, it wasn't – it wasn't it was a better performance that I, than definitely last week against the Packers or a couple weeks ago against the Packers. It was really bad on his end. That or 
you know, based on whatever happens with Cup with the ankle and other any other future issues, I mean, Marvin Harrison would be a really great pick. He fits what McVay really likes about wide receivers, route running, great, you know, cerebralness while running your routes, which is something Zay Flowers had, which I've been told by some people that are connected that we were going to try to move up for him or Dalton Kincaid in the first round when we were trying to oh, trade yeah. up. Dalton Kincaid was very – Kincaid, Kincaid and Zay Flowers were potential yeah. picks if we were to shoot up in the draft, which we tried to do. So Marvin Harrison, I'm not saying him and Zay are the, are the same, and obviously Marvin's shredding Big Ten teams right now. But they have that similar great route running, very smart, great burst. It's a McVay type of wide receiver that he likes. So – I would be happy with Marvin, but I prefer a good offensive lineman, please. For again, say with me, Matthew Stafford's a top ten quarterback. <laughs> I just think that the the four guys to the right of Lyric are pretty solid, and uh, of course we need to resign Dotson. Uh, but and, and I think Lyric Jackson's okay. But if if you picked up a top notch first round pick, left tackle, sure thing type left tackle, this offensive line. You just quit worrying about it, right? You know, you you've got one unit, a very important unit that's that's fixed for the next couple of years, and you roll with it. It sounds yeah. like Ram Nation that Mark and Ian are asking that we might have to do an early pod on Rams draft prospects. I don't know, Rams yeah. Nation, well, keep keep an ear out for that. The the difficult thing is, hey man. Go ahead. I was saying, first round pick in a gazillion years. You bet your ass we're going to do some studying <laughs> on these top talents. Mark, you might want to mark. You might, might want to notch it down. We might have to do an early pod on Rams draft. Do you, do you guys ever hit the? Uh, is it the draft networks uh, uh, mock oh, draft system? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. But the problem is, we, you know, I think just in the past week the Rams dropped from the sixth to the thirteenth pick. So, and that's a big difference, you know, yeah. figuring out. You know who you might who might be available there uh, at six. There's some really good players, edge rushers, wide receivers, tackles, quarterbacks. You drop down to thirteen, and it, it, still some good players, but it, it's just tough to mock right now, not knowing where the yeah. Rams are going to. They could, hey, you know what? Rams could end up picking thirty second, right? And listen, it's still good to <laughs> throw some names out there. And listen, Ram Nation, don't forget you heard it. You heard it here on Rams Up first about Puka Nakua. Yeah, he had you did before he was even selected. So I we want to throw that out there. We got that receipt. And I didn't right know. Yeah, I didn't. And I didn't know. Thing. And I didn't know who you were talking about. And I was like, Puka, what? And um. Yeah, and, and it's funny because with a name like that, you think it stick in your head, but I truly did not know who he was when you mentioned him. So keep an eye out for that Rams Nation, that early cast. That early yeah, cast. is there any is there any player like under the radar? Maybe we'll close it out talking draft real quick here. Is there any player uh, that maybe an under the radar guy that that you've already fallen in love with in the NFL draft? You know, not necessarily. Well, it could be a first rounder, just someone that you think. Uh, did you already? Uh, you already talked about Marvin Harrison. Is that your guy, Ian? Yeah, Ian? I think if he's available, the Rams would would pick him. There's no doubt, no doubt about it. He'll probably go top three or four, though, won't he? Yeah, I expect top five status for him. I mean, yeah. things crazier things have happened. We all thought Ceedee Lamb should have been the first receiver in that in that draft not too long ago, and he was like, what, the fourth receiver taken? Yeah, it was like Henry Ruggs, uh, Jalen Rager. I want to say I might be getting draft classes mixed up, but I think Jerry Judy as well went right in front of him. Uh, I think actually I might be wrong with the Jalen Rager, but I know there was like three, two or three receivers that went before CD lamb. And it was like, what, what does nobody watch film? And obviously teams are paying for it now that he's been killing it for the Dallas Cowboys. So we've seen crazier things happen, but I think Marvin's just put up way too much fantastic tape for anybody to make that foolish mistake. But He's he would be great in this offense. There's no doubt about it. How about you, Paul? Is there anyone you got on your radar? You know, I like to wait till um, like the bowl games and then see how they play in those clutch games because for me, clutch factor is huge. Um, but you know, I mean, there are a couple of players out there. You know, I I did say I, I like Bo 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 uh, Bo Nix. He looks good. 
uh, for a quarterback. I just like the way he plays. Um, there, I mean, nobody really just jumps out at me just yet, but I, you know, I think when we do it, I do like Josh Newton from TCU. I think he's going to, I think he's going to drop a little bit more. I think they have him ranked really, really high, but I think he's going to be available. I think there's some really good corners that the Rams can get a lot of value in the second and third round. And I hope they do utilize that because they definitely need cornerback help. So uh, maybe that's like a point of emphasis. And that when we do do the podcast, I'll, I'll focus on corners that they can get at uh, a high value picks because I do like what I see in rounds two and three for cornerback help. That's one thing that jumped out at me right away when I was looking at prospects. Yeah, there's going to be uh, there's a bunch of Pac-12 quarterbacks that are going to make their mark in the NFL eventually, I think. Okay, uh, any last words? We're all picking the Rams over the Cardinals, I take it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes. let's, get, let's get the streak going. Let's get the streak started, right? It'll it'll be a one- or two-point game probably. That's just the way it rolls. Um, that's the way it's been for this Rams team. But, yeah, I think the Rams will win uh, probably uh, a game in the low 20s for both teams is what I'm thinking. Any predictions for, for you, Ian? Yeah, about the yeah, same. Yeah, going like. I'm going I'm going like 23-21. I'm going to go a little odd score. It just feels like it's going to be that type of nail biter like like usual, right? The the never-ending up and down roller coaster of 2023 Rams football. Hey, at, at least but, we're uh, not Charger fans, you know, you think we have yeah. a bad Oh, well, I mean, hey, we at least were honest with ourselves that this was a rebuild. The fan base accepted it at a certain point. Chargers are trying to win yeah. championships, and things are still going bad. Uh, oh man! Yeah. But um, I expect a I expect a close game. Kyler and Connor being back is definitely a major plus for them and a major negative for us. But like I said, keep Kyler in the pocket, make him beat us with his arm. If he does it, then we tip the cap to the Cardinals and and Murray for doing that. If we on offense could hit our play action passes consistently. We got a great chance as well. And like I said, 17% chance after we won this past Sunday, if we win on Sunday, it jumps to 25% of making the playoffs. It's a good little leap right there. So let's keep, let's keep winning football. Okay, Paul, any last words uh, regarding the Ram Cardinal game? Rams, Rams go to the desert and get a little Dodger payback. Right in Arizona, right standing up for the boys in blue, right. Uh, I think the, I think yeah, the Rams will play a solid game. I think. Listen, Stafford got the game ball, so I think Stafford's red hot. I think he has another great game. Um, I think the Rams pull it out. Um, I think they get a, enough separation to win. I, I do agree. I agree with you guys. I think it's going to be closer than we would like, unfortunately. But I think the Rams get it done. Okay, I think we can wrap it up here for tonight. Thank you guys for joining me once again. It's been fun. Um, we'll do this next week, maybe, huh? And, uh, we'll be uh, talking about a Rams win over the Cardinals. That's what I'm thinking. That's what we need, dang it. Let's just keep it going. The never-ending life cycle. We beat the Seahawks all the time, and then everybody beats up on the Cardinals. That's how <laughs> the world should be. <laughs> Double barrel Ram horns, baby. Okay, thanks a lot, you guys. Peace. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Till next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.